Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're finally past the Super Bowl. The offseason is officially here. How are you doing today? I'm swell. Um, it's For our listeners, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. You were under the weather most of the week, so we didn't do one on a weekday as usual. And now I'm starting to, all weekend I've been sniffly and snotty and weather changes and stuff. So I think I'm starting to get over it, but we'll fight through it. Yeah, it's, it's that time of year, unfortunately. Right. Um, we've got a unique show today in that we don't have a guest. Those, those are pretty rare for us, but I'm excited to pick your brain uh, on some of these players that we're going to be talking about today. And, and the, the theme and the topic across the show today will be changes. We're going to talk about players that are changing value. We're going to talk about players that are maybe changing teams. And we know that in the NFL and in fantasy football, things are always changing. So that gives us plenty to talk about. We absolutely do. However, I've noted, and remember we had Jason on, I just listened to his podcast today and he had some really good insights, just not fantasy related about the state of the league and the the contract situations out there. And he made a really good note. And I, and when he said it, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. There's been less movement since the Super Bowl than usual. You know, that, you know, James Starks got cut and the Quell Jackson, but usually there's 20 or 30 by now. And one of the big issues is the cap is so high that it's not become an issue for people anymore. So we might see fewer, cap releases you know cap relief guys which is usually the story this time of year so teams aren't being forced to to make a move right at least this early okay right there's so many teams with so much cap space they're just kind of hanging on for now okay that makes sense we know um just in the past couple days the it looks like the jags have decided to hang on to julius thomas so he was one player that we talked about last week with jason who was a potential cap cut and it, at least it seems for now that he will be back with Jacksonville. I'm a little shocked by that, but I've always really liked the player. I mean, people that have been listening since the beginning, I was buying him like crazy last year, and I regret it now, but um, maybe they still have high hopes for him or he was battling more injuries than we knew. Uh, they certainly could still draft a tight end pretty high, though. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, they don't have anything behind him. Uh, you know, right. Mercedes Lewis is is not really an option this at this point. Um so, yeah, d- drafting one does seem to be in play at this point. And the other thing, just to piggyback on what we were talking about with Jason, is some of these teams now, because they have so much cap space, can afford to keep, say, a Julius Thomas that we thought was going to be a cap cut and Jacksonville's got a ton of space until after June 1st where they get better relief from it. All right. Well, as I said, we were we're going to be talking about all things having to do with changes today. The first thing we want to look at – are some players whose ADP and value is changing. So, Matt, for this exercise, I looked at I, I looked back at our August ADP from Dynasty League Football. I looked at our brand new January ADP and compared those those two okay. sets of data. We want to start by looking at the players who are gaining the most value according to that ADP. And and some of these, you know, throughout the whole season, it's it's a long season and we begin to understand the value of these players and it, it changes slowly. But when you look back and you try to remember how we were drafting in July and September and August, it, it's really a shock to see some of these numbers. 
So sure. I mean, the names you're about to list, there's probably, I mean, most of these guys probably weren't even in a dynasty league, you know, the average dynasty league whenever, you know, in August. Right. Most of these players, the the top few um, gainers, as we'll call them, they were, you know, barely being drafted. Their ADP was, was beyond 200, beyond 225. And, and now some of these guys are top 50 players. So it really is, um, like I said, it, it really is kind of a shock to the system to see how much they've, they've climbed. So what I really want to know from you, and, and I'll share some of my thoughts as well, is at their new value, at their new price point, are these players that you're buying? Are you believing in these guys? Or have they maybe climbed uh, too far too fast? Uh, the biggest riser over the past several months, since again, since August, is Terrell Pryor. His ADP was 231 back in August. It's now 50, so he climbed over 180 spots. And then we've got Tyreek Hill. He went from undrafted to an ADP of 63. Uh, some other players who have seen their ADP increase by 125 spots or more, Tyrell Williams, San Diego Chargers, now I guess Los Angeles Chargers, wide receiver, Cameron Meredith, Dak Prescott, Rob Kelly, Ty Montgomery, Marquise Lee, and Spencer Ware. So that, that's the group that we want to really focus on today. All of those guys have seen their ADP move over 125 spots. And prior, Tyrell Williams and Spencer Ware are now all in the top 50 players. So, Matt, from that group, who stands out to you as, as a player that that you believe in? You you agree with their new value. You would still be buying them as a top 50, top 60, top 70 player. Buying might be a strong word for any of them. Like, I don't know that I'm putting out trade offers right now for these guys at their price, but I think two that stand out to me as stable, I trust, I would probably, you know, in a, in a startup, I would pay the price they're going. I think they're rightfully priced are prior and where, you know, in, in Kansas City, I don't think Jamal Charles is coming back. They have a lot of needs. They're one of the few really cash-strapped teams, and they got Barry and Poe both up for free agency. So I don't think they're going to be afford to be real active, and they don't seem like a team to me that's going to use a first-round pick on a running back. So I think that's going to be Ware's job. I like him. Maybe they even upgrade the offensive line at the guard spots. So I'm still on board with Ware. I just wrote an article about Pryor, and it goes back to me watching his high school tape when I was, you know, into recruiting and whatnot earlier in my career. And I think he's pretty safe. You know, he's only 26 or 27, just learning this position. I don't think Cleveland lets him go. And that's not, you know, a boost of confidence for his fantasy stats, but he did pretty well with a revolving door of quarterbacks. I got to think the offense is slightly better next year. Yeah, I think that's a good point on where as far as, um, you know, there's not going to be much competition. I I agree with you that Charles is gone. We saw, uh, you know, that Charkandrick West just is not, he's not a threat to where he's not going to be a starter in this league, uh, barring an injury. I I agree with you as far as where being a buy in a dynasty, in an existing dynasty league, because I think his price is, is, very reasonable. His ADP, on the other hand, as I said, is right at 50. Um, actually, his ADP 
and Terrell Pryor's ADP is are the exact same, 50.3. Hmm. So, you know, if we're picking between those two players, I'm taking the wide receiver, I'm taking Pryor, some other guys in that range, Tyrell Williams, one of the other players we mentioned, Jamison Crowder, Josh Dotson, Golden Tate. So if we're talking about a startup league, while I like Ware, I don't think I'm taking him in that early fifth round range. Yeah, you mentioned Doxon, and I don't, and I know neither one of us I think has any shares of Doxon. We didn't love him coming out of school, but at that range, those names you mentioned, I think he's pretty appealing. I don't know. I might. I still. I still think Ware's properly priced. He might end up on my team in that situation, especially if I've gone like four receivers my first four picks. Where's actually being drafted above Mark Ingram, which kind of surprises me. I'd, I'd still rather have mm-hmm. Ingram. I would too. That, that one's a little shocking to me too. Uh, what about Tyreek Hill? You know, it's it's tough to ignore him. We know the off-field history there. Lots of criticisms about him, not just off the field, but some uncertainty in his game. You know, is he a reliable fantasy asset or is his production fluky, which is a word that's been thrown around with him quite a bit. He He's up to a 63 ADP, you know, so we're talking early in the sixth round. There's reports that his number of touches could double, you know, that's, it, it's tough to trust off season um, reports like that, especially when they're in January and February. So I, I don't really put any stock into that. I'm just, I just don't feel safe with Hill. He's to me, he stands out as, as a major sell candidate. Big time, big time. I feel like this will be the highest his stock ever is. And part of it is we had somebody ask us on Twitter and I don't have it handy that what are some of your biggest mistakes early in your dynasty career? And one of mine was Percy Harvin slash gimmick players, you know, Corderell Patterson, these guys that are quote space players. They rarely work in the NFL. I mean, it's not college. The hash marks have a lot to do with it. There's no wide side of the field. They start to get hit in the, you know, the, the, the 16 game rigors or more in Kansas city's case starts to beat up on their little bodies and it's hard to maintain consistent week to week fantasy numbers. If you're that type of player, let alone the, you know, points per touch that he'll put up, which is crazy. I mean, I wish I would have picked them up whenever he was hot and I would have moved them by now. So I think the thing with Hill that makes him tough just to, you know, throw that sell label on is the fact that there's going to be there's going to be people in every league who are not willing to buy him because of his off-field uh, right, off-field right. history. And you know, I can completely understand that. I wouldn't say that I'm one of those people. Um I'm I, I try to separate those two things. But uh you know, a good number of your trade targets, trade partners are going to be eliminated just from that. So it's easy to look at that ADP of 63 and look at some of the players he's being drafted around. Carlos Hyde, Russell Wilson, Tevin Coleman, C.J. Anderson. Again, easy to look at those and say, yeah, I'd sell him for any of those guys. In a heartbeat. I'd much rather C.J. Anderson. Right. It's it's not always that easy. Sure. You've got to find just the right trade partner. And with a guy like Hill – a guy like you know Joe Mixon is is another we've talked about who has these off field issues. The the rookie coming into the league this year, it can be difficult. Yeah, I guess that is a good point. You know, if there's twelve team league and two or three guys are saying I won't have that person on my team for what he's done off the field, that obviously eliminates your market a little bit. 
personally, I don't feel that way. You know, I'm not putting stock in the young man. I'm writing a, a name on a piece of paper or, you know, I mean, I don't feel like I'm promoting him. I'm not buying his jerseys. He can be on my team any day of the week, no matter what. I don't care what people do off the field for my dynasty team. I'm in it to win it. The other player that I mentioned there that stands out as a sell to me is is Rob Kelly. And, and honestly, he's got a top 100 ADP according to our January data just inside it and 97 overall. And I'm shocked he's that high. Uh, I mean, I think it's a slam dunk that the Redskins bring in another running back. I'd be surprised if he's even the week one starter, to be honest. I don't think he's anything special by any means. So if I could get a second rounder for Rob Kelly, I would do that in a minute. I would too. I feel a little different about him in that I agree that he's a very average talent. Um, We're going to mention Matt Jones and the ADP losers. I I don't think Jones is much of a threat to him, but – I could also see him being the week one starter, though, too. I mean, I think they're happy enough with him that, all right, we'll get Kelly and use our resources on defense and other spots. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that running back will be a huge priority for Washington is what I'm saying. I think they can live with him. But if they don't replace him this year, I bet they replace him next year. Like, he's not going to be the guy long term. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably the same thing that we could say. Well, the same thing you mentioned about Kansas City, the same thing we could say about Chicago with with Jordan Howard. But um, those guys are better than him. Sure, sure. But just right, right. just that the Redskins are going to have other priorities. You know, they're, right, right, right. Uh, there's at least a chance that they miss out on Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I think they franchise him, so uh, I, I don't think that happens. But there's at least something to work out there. They're probably going to lose – both Jackson and Garcon. So yeah, they've, they've got some holes to fill as well. They may, you're right. They may be content to just roll with, with Kelly and Chris Thompson and and see what happens. Yeah. Beat him into the ground and then go draft someone next year or, you know, something along those lines or uh, the guy I wanted to mention to you to just get your opinion on those Ty Montgomery. I, I would imagine late that his, his ADP is really skyrocketing, especially in PPR leagues, of course. To me, he's a little bit of fool's gold, though. You know, I, I don't think that if you play in Green Bay, I think you have to have an Eddie Lacy, a, a, a real bell cow. And even if they don't bring back Lacy, I think they have to bring in a big back of substance. I agree. I, you know, I, I think it's clear they're going to bring in somebody else. Uh, Montgomery's ADP went from 223 in August to 84 in January. At that price, I'm still a buyer. I mean, I think that's a realistic uh, range to spend on him. He's going again in, in some of the in the same area. Some of these other guys we talked about: Cameron Meredith and Rob Kelly, Dak Prescott, all in that same that same area. So, I don't think he's going to be the man there, but I think mm-hmm. he'll certainly have a role. And uh, and I do know that he's going to be designated as a running back on my fantasy league when they open up their 2017 uh, new site here in just a few days. So if you had him, if you've been playing him as a wide receiver, even though the Packers were playing him as a running back, uh, that that will change next year. And from what I understand, he's going to switch his jersey number from 88 to a running back number and spend the whole offseason treating it as a running back. And that should be good for him. Although – I'm not 100% sold his wide receiver career is over either. 
Well, I mean, it, it's got to be a bonus to him to have that flexibility, right? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, if you know, I mean, we've seen that with Tyreek Hill this time last year. We didn't know if he was going to play wide receiver or running back. The same thing is happening right now with Curtis Samuel, the Ohio State kid. Uh, MFL is going to designate him as a as a wide receiver. They're usually not quick to change those things. So no matter what his uh, future NFL team does with him, no matter how they use him for fantasy this season, at least he'll be a, a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, for example, let's say they use a second-round pick on a running back and that guy's a hit and he takes over – and Devontae Adams gets hurt in week three, maybe they say, hey, Ty, why don't you go back to run and go routes? Sure, sure, very possible. Well, Matt, you mentioned our ADP losers, and we want to talk about those guys as well. There were six players who lost over 100 spots in our ADP. So the the biggest loser, I guess we could say, was Torrey Smith. Uh, He was – a top 100 player in August, now all the way down to 229 overall. He lost about 134 spots in ADP. Matt Jones, you already mentioned, he actually had the highest ADP of this group. He was being drafted to 84, now down at 215. Honestly, I'm surprised he's even still getting drafted. I don't I don't think he's worth the roster spot. Uh, the other guys, Kamar Aiken, Julius Thomas, we mentioned him earlier, Marcus Wheaton, and Jeremy Langford. So, again, each of those guys lost over 100 spots from August to January, according to DLF's ADP. Um, you know, at, at this point, clearly, Matt, those those guys are all um, looking like players we don't want to invest in. But do you see any hope with any of those? Uh, are, are any of those any of those guys you'd actually be buying, taking a shot on at this point? As throw-ins, maybe. You know, I, I tend to think that the majority of these guys – starting fantasy days are over, you know, and you mentioned, you know, something, you know, Jones probably doesn't even belong on a roster. Um, the two guys that stand out and we already kind of talked about Thomas and I still like his ability. And if that news and the news is true, obviously that they're keeping him. I think that offense can score points, keep Marone around. If they can build Bortles back up, Thomas, I think can be a valuable contributor still. Um, I had assumed that Torrey Smith would be a cap cut, you know, that, he makes reasonably good money after coming over from Baltimore. But the more I think about it, San Francisco has so much cap space. If this guy can play at all, maybe he's even their number one receiver next year. I mean, the status of their wide receiving core is awful right now. I don't think they're going to use the, the number two pick on a receiver. Uh, maybe they sign somebody in free agency. It, it wouldn't blow me away if Smith is a starter for the Niners next year. And maybe, I mean, just maybe, and we said this with Chip Kelly, if he could be the number one on that team, uh, Shanahan's offense really goes through the number one receiver. Is Torrey Smith Julio Jones? Of course not, but somebody's got to be the number one receiver in San Francisco. I totally agree. Uh, out of that group, Torrey Smith is is the one who stands out to me. I, I've never been a huge fan of his, not really had him on on very many of my teams, maybe none at all. But at 229, you know, we're talking about just just nearly free. And I know some of these drafts he wasn't even selected in at all. So he he drops 134 spots. I think getting cut for him could be a good thing, you know, just getting a chance to land with a new team. But just the fresh start that, you know, that we'll see in San Francisco could be good as well, even uh, even if he sticks with the 49ers. 
I think that's a good point that getting out of San Fran wouldn't be so terrible either. And just just to look at some of the names around him in our ADP to give some perspective, uh, Bruce Ellington is going ahead of him. Of course, his his teammate there in San Francisco who missed the entire year. He's going around uh, Daniel Lasco and Tim Hightower. Uh, Sam wow. Bradford is ahead of him. So yeah, I mean we're we're talking about no man's land. These guys again are are all essentially free in most dynasty leagues. And you know if, if you're making a two for one trade and say, hey, throw in Tory Smith, make, even it up, or you know, uh, to me that's worth it. You might cut him in a couple of weeks, but he at least could hit for you. Yeah, and that's the kind of move you would make. I, I don't think any of these guys, including Smith, is worth pursuing on his own. I, I mean, I don't even no. I don't know that I would even give a third rounder for him. Yeah, you don't email the guy and say, hey, what do you want for Torrey Smith? And he's right. like, yeah, give me a second. I'm like, no. <laughs> How about a third? I'm still not going to give it to you. You know, he's got to be a throw-in type. You got to beat around the bush a little bit. The other guy I still like a little bit on this list uh, is is Jeremy Langford. And when I say I like him, I think he has some value. We've talked about it on here before that Jordan, you know, that's obviously Jordan Howard's job. And the Bears have so many needs quarterback and wide receiver and defense and offensive line and and every other spot essentially so so the thing that helps Howard also helps Langford you know that that's going to be his backup job and if if there were some type of injury to Howard or anything like that now Langford's value is is skyrocketing by default I just think Howard's a much better player than Langford I agree with you with situation in Chicago and Howard caught a lot more passes than I expected in his rookie year, and we'll get to rookies here in a minute. Um, but if they do add a back, I think it's the 205-pound receiver, scat back, fast dude. And then Langford might not even be active on game day if they do that. All right, well, let's talk about the rookies a little bit. I want to talk about one thing before that, if you don't mind. It's our friends at Loot Crate. They've been our sponsors pretty much from the beginning. They're wonderful. I urge you to check them out. I'm going to tell you about them now. If you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, or collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month. And it's even cheaper than that when you use our code, which I'll tell you about in a minute too. Whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or if you are that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise you know is coming. Every month there's a different theme and a new exclusive items that you can only get with Loot Crate. Treat yourself every month and give the gift of geeking out to a friend or a loved one. Roll up your sleeves. Get ready to celebrate some of pop culture's most put-together franchises. February's hands-on theme is Build and features the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Batman, Lego Dimensions, and Tetras. And as always, our monthly t-shirt and pin. So this is what you do. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to get this deal and be part of the Build theme for this month. Uh, you subscribe, you get that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, it's over. So 9 o'clock on the 19th. Make sure you head to bootcrate.com slash dynasty blueprint. That last part's important. And enter the code dynasty blueprint to save two bucks a month off your new subscription today. That's already under 20 bucks a month. Best deal on town. Matt, let's move over and talk about specifically some of the rookies who are moving up and down our ADP ranks. And many of these guys we've already talked about Tyreek Hill, Dak Prescott, Rob Kelly, Jordan Howard were the four biggest rookie risers. We've already talked about each of those guys. So let's look at these next three. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Jets wide receiver, Jalen Richard of the Raiders, 
and Hunter Henry of the Chargers. Now, I think we both would agree that Hunter Henry is legit. He's close to being a top five dynasty tight end. You know, whether whether he should be or not, that's the range he's being drafted and valued in. I'm interested in your thoughts on these other two guys, though. Uh, Robbie Anderson, we saw him really, uh, really come on as the Jets were making quarterback changes throughout the throughout the season, really. Uh, but he ended the season well. And then Richard with the Raiders. Uh, Latavius Murray's a free agent. DeAndre Washington is there still. And they're being, being projected to maybe even take a running back in the first round. Anderson and Richard, what do you think about those two guys? I want to mention Henry before we get to them because I think he's, kind of like you said, he's, a, he's almost in a much different boat than those other two you brought up. I mean, Henry's established. He's on every dynasty roster. He's an asset right now. Like you said, he's a fifth-ish tight end in dynasty, and I think he's worth that. I, I really do. I, I think that Rivers being there, some stability with that team, I, I think he's somebody that I want on my team, and I would pay his asking price. Although I wanted to ask you this, and I, I do want to talk about Anderson and Richard. If you were to compare Ebron, Henry, and OJ and the rookies, OJ Howard and those guys. How, who do you who do you want in that group? Oh, I think it's Henry pretty pretty easily. Okay. Um, at, at this point, now I mean Howard and and these other guys, Ingram and, and the rookies. You know they could land in just the perfect spot, but I, I think Henry landed in the perfect spot. We know how that team uses the tight end. We know, even though it feels like we say it every year that that Antonio Gates is near the end of his career. So to me, it's, it's Henry pretty easily. I, I just checked our data. He is uh, being drafted as the tight end five overall in dynasty behind Gronk, Kelsey Reed and Eifert. I wouldn't be surprised at all over the next couple months if he jumped Eifert or maybe even Reed. I, I think, you know, people are going to be chasing youth. He's the youngest and the best tight end out there right now that has the, best combination of those two yeah I agree I also like Hooper who's not on this list I think he could be in for a big spike in year two um, yeah of course he he came up big in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. uh, led the Falcons in targets and he's being drafted as the tight end 14 uh, all the way down around 140th overall so yeah he's he's a player that's that offers some value right now yeah that's appealing um, as for Anderson that's a tough one. I mean, because Chan Gailey's not there anymore. So I would think that they will use far less multiple receiver sets. You know, they used to lead the league by a wide margin every year in four receiver sets. But is Marshall going to be back? Is Decker going to be back? How are the, are the Jets going to try to patchwork that team up, or are they going to blow the whole thing up? If they blow the whole thing up, Anderson could be their number one, you know, receiver. I bet they try to hold on and put band-aids on gaping wounds and that might make him number three or number four and see the field less. I think he's an interesting guy, but I don't think he's a super talent. I like Richard's game, but would you rather have him or Washington? I mean, to me, they're almost a wash. And I think at a minimum they bring back Murray. And if they don't do that, then they have big plans to Adrian Peterson or first round pick or, you know, a, a stud bell cow to really complete the offense. Yeah, I agree on both points. You know, I think Richard had some nice games, uh, especially as a receiver out of that Oakland backfield. But, you know, stepping back now and taking a look at that situation, it's just hard to see him as as a weekly asset in fantasy. Yeah. You know, 
even last year when he had some big games, he wasn't a guy you could rely on to start. You never, you never knew when those, uh, those outbursts were coming. Anderson, I think, probably has a little more value. They're both going right about the same range in the 140s in our ADP. Yeah, I think Anderson's the guy, if I'm just looking at those two, the guy I would want because I think at least one of Decker or Marshall is cut, as we talked about with Jason last episode. If both of those guys are gone and they blow it up, as you mentioned, then I would agree. You know, Anderson probably becomes, you know, maybe a wide receiver three, wide receiver four in fantasy. But still, I just I don't see a ton of upside there. Both those dudes, like you said about Richard, I have a hard time figuring out a situation where I click the check marks in the box to start those guys any week. Yeah, I think, you know, I talk about, and, and I've written about roster cloggers on DLF before. I think both of these, especially Richard, are roster cloggers right now. You know, they've, they've had pretty solid rookie seasons. Nobody in, in a typical dynasty league is cutting these guys. Uh, but they also but what just, good they do, yeah. yeah, they don't, they don't offer much really. So, um, is is the move to find okay? Let's say you have Richard, who you picked up for nothing during the season, and it's worth obviously to pick him up for nothing. But like you said, you know what? I'm sitting on your roster for the next three years, and you never start him once. Do you look up the Washington owner and say, "Hey, give me this guy for a third? Or if they re-sign Murray, do you look up his owner and say, "Take his backup. You'll want his handcuff. You know, you'll want his handcuff." Is that a move to get rid of them? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd rather be selling than than buying Washington. I'm not sure if that's what you were thinking, but um, yeah, if I can dump either of those guys, Anderson or Richard, for a third, I would do that. I think maybe you would even have to use them as as pieces to upgrade your third rounder. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a late third for an early third, and and you give up one of those guys as well. That's that's a move I would consider. Yeah, that's good thinking. All right, let's talk about some of the rookies who are losing value. These, of course, uh, in in most cases at least, are players who we had some expectations for coming into the season, and they failed to live up to those. The biggest faller is actually Josh Ferguson. Uh, He went from being drafted in the 140s to late in the draft. Again, he's another player I'm surprised uh, is even being drafted at all. He, He dropped about 80 spots as the Colts. Uh, basically ran Frank Gore into the ground. They're another team who are being predicted to take a running back, maybe even Dalvin Cook in the first round. So is Ferguson in in most standard size dynasty leagues, is he even on rosters? He's still on on rosters in most of my leagues. uh, But but he's, he's again, I think one of those roster cloggers. Uh, If I saw one of my league mates drop him, I wouldn't, I would not, I wouldn't bat an eye. Right. Wouldn't wouldn't even really get my attention. Right. Um, The next guy is a guy I do still like, Leonte Carew. He was being drafted 85th overall, um, dropped all the way down to 147 right now, so dropped about 60 spots. Uh, Didn't get used hardly at all in Miami, but I still still like him a little bit. We'll see uh, if he can actually get on the field this year, but he is a guy I would be buying if we're talking about – if we're talking about, I'd easily give a third for him. I don't know if I would give a late second. Uh, we'll get to what I'll let you list them all, but he's going to be one of the ones I like. Okay, let's let's run through the others. Tyler Irvin, kind of a similar 
deal to Ferguson. People thought maybe he would be that change of pace back. Didn't really get on the field much for Houston. Uh, Another Texan, Braxton Miller, uh, went from the 150 range down to outside of the top 200. And Rashard Higgins, Cleveland wide receiver. They drafted so many wide receivers uh, and didn't really use many of the rookies there at all outside of Corey Coleman. And Higgins fell about 45 spots. Oh, and Tread, of course, Treadwell. yes, yeah, Treadwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how could I forget? Treadwell was uh, had an ADP of 27 back in August. Uh, still a pretty lofty ADP of 59, so he dropped about uh, 32 spots. Yeah, of that group, Matt, who who do you still like, if any of those guys? Yeah, I look at Ferguson, Irvin, and Higgins. Like you said, if Joe Blow in my league cuts them, I probably don't even bat an eye. I just delete the email and move on. Carew to me is interesting because I liked him a lot a year ago. I owe him a, I own him a fair amount. I have no reason to think any less of him as a player. Kenny Stills is a free agent, and they're different type receivers. But I also don't really feel great about Parker as a number one or as a guy to trust that you can lean on. Or if Landry would go down, I think Carew could be the slot guy for them. I still think they have plans for Carew, and I, and I think the offense as a whole has a chance to be pretty decent. Um, if his value is decreasing, I'm jumping on that train. Miller's intriguing to me. He worries me that I'm falling in the Percy Harvin, Cordero Patterson um, move that I said to begin the show. But I like the talent. I like what we saw in the preseason a lot. I think Houston is not going to just sit on their hands and let Brock be the guy. In, in I think they're at least going to bring in competition or at least open it up versus him versus Savage. So I would be interested. I don't know if I'd pay his price. I don't own him anywhere. Treadwell's tough, man, because you and I loved him. I mean, he was right at the top of our list behind Zeke, and that wasn't that long ago. We haven't seen anything on the field to say, boy, he's a lesser player than we thought. But to never see the field as a first-round pick, I mean, is the biggest red flag ever. So, Matt, I, I agree regarding Treadwell. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's a player I loved. I was super high on him. In fact, I was over-aggressive in, in ranking and acquiring him. Uh, I, I think I ranked him as a top 15 dynasty wide receiver, probably about wow. this time last year. Um, just really, really was a believer in his game. Um, and it obviously couldn't couldn't have gone worse. Um you know, I saw that I saw some stats um, that somebody had pulled and, and shared on Twitter, but it was basically first, I think, a first and second round drafted wide receivers who made basically no impact in their first year. And the only player who really turned into anything, if I'm remembering correctly, was Vincent Jackson, who uh, Came I from don't a tiny school, right? I don't yeah. think he played. I'm not sure he played it at all his rookie season. And then, right. of course, of course, went on to a, a very good career. Um, but the rest of that group, you know, <laughs> did not. Doesn't bode well. It's hard to see, even just one year in, it's hard to see Treadwell beating those odds. So um, his ADP at 59 right now, you know, we're talking – that's a little rich. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's more than I would spend uh, if you have him, as I do. You know, I, I think it's I think selling him is something you have to you have to investigate. You have to try. Um, yeah, but what would you take if I right. offered you? Two, would you do you take two one? And that's this, about the point. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really like the break even point as far as uh, 
you know, what, what you're looking at getting this year. Uh, typically I would say, Oh, easily, I'd easily prefer tr- Treadwell, but mm-hmm. you know, if you flip the, flip the switch there and think if you own the two, one, are you giving that for Treadwell? Yeah, right. I mean, I, I, I was just kind of thinking of a, a neutral, you know, starting jumping off spot and yeah, that's a tough one in his favor though. You and I probably don't believe he's any lesser of a player than we saw in college. Maybe the Vikings staff does, but at least it's the same staff that used a high pick on him. Absolutely have to think that Bradford's going to be the quarterback. Diggs will be the number one receiver. The offensive line will be massive priority number one to get at least get it respectable. And Peterson will be elsewhere. I think the majority of those things are positives for him going forward. I don't know if Bradford being there is. Do you? Yeah, like I, I like he's. I think he's better than Teddy. I, I think Bradford is an underrated player. I think he's a, a solid NFL quarterback. I'm one of the only people believing him. <laughs> one of the few. <laughs> Matt, let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some coaching changes. Uh, our most recent big news from that uh, from that part of the game, of course, is Kyle Shanahan leaving. The Falcons, as as had been reported, and as we all expected, he's going to San Francisco. The surprise from San Francisco, though, is hiring John Lynch as their general manager, who had uh, no no experience as a as an executive or as a decision maker. Really interested to hear your thoughts on both of those moves. And you know, we saw what Shanahan did with Freeman and with Tevin Coleman. Does that make Carlos Hyde a, a major dynasty buy this offseason? I think so. I've also been a huge Hyde believer since day one. I own him a lot of places. The couple places I haven't, him and CJ Anderson actually are two guys that I've been putting in offers for this past week or so, and I haven't been able to get anything done. I'm, I mean, I'm trying starting low, obviously. Um, everyone dislikes Hyde because of his injury history, and I get that, but I think he played 14 games last year. Um, I don't think their offensive line is dreadful. I think that Shanahan has great, uh, you know, history, obviously, with running backs. I think Hyde's a better receiver than he's given credit for. As many unbelievable needs as they have, despite their cap room and high picks, running back has to be, like, last on the list. You know, I mean, any position you mention is probably going to be a higher priority for Lynch and Shanahan than Hyde. So I'm in, but I've always been in on him. So you mentioned trying to acquire him. What's what's that break even point? What where does it become too much? Are you giving I think the best offer I've put out so far was 111 for him. Okay, and I, so and I got I, shut down, which shocked I, me a little bit. I think most people view that top 4 as as the top tier, the two running backs, the two wide receivers. You know, then once you get to 5, you're talking about Mixon and McCaffrey and Juju Smith and John Ross. So would you go, if if you're pressed and if you have the pick, would you go as high as 1.5? I don't think so, but I need to know more about those rookies still too. So uh, I think now's a hard time to trade overall in Dynasty because everyone likes their picks and they want to get them, but none of us, even the people that are pretty much in the know, feel really strongly about this is my ninth ranked rookie, let alone the dudes in your league that don't do this for a living. They have no clue. So they're kind of, it's hard to put a value to me just as a dynasty overthought on what's the difference between one nine and one twelve. So at this time of the year, every year, 
I don't know if you agree with that or not. And you're more dialed into the rookies than I am. And, you know, but um, I guess I would consider it, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, most of my offers I started with like, I'll give you two six and a future second, you know, trying to kick the tires, figuring people be down on them. Uh, that wasn't getting it done, say the least. Right. I, I do agree with your point in, in that it's, you know, it's tough to evaluate the rookies at, at this point. Um, depending on how much college football you watched, there's there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of information out there yet. Mm-hmm. We have the combine coming up later this month. That will give us a huge piece of information on all of these guys. Then we have, uh, uh, of course, the draft, which is kind of the final, final thing we need to know where where these players are actually going to end up, and and that really that changes so much as far as draft order and how the players and how the picks are being valued. Landing spots is huge, obviously. Yeah, like to me, it's really hard to say who my one six is versus my one nine, where that'll become very much clearer as we go forward. Right. The other hire I wanted to ask you about was Chris Ballard. So he's formerly a director of football operations for the chiefs. Uh, I know he had, there was some interest uh, with him going to San Francisco and he shot that down. I'm not sure if he even interviewed uh, he he basically said he was happy in Kansas City, and then the Colts general manager job came open. They fired Ryan Grigson. Uh, Ballard was interested in that job and was eventually hired to be the new general manager of the Colts. Matt, I guess my question is: you know, fantasy football players, dynasty players, Colts fans have been placing a lot of the blame for what's happened the past couple of years on Ryan Grigson. So have I. And, Okay, great. Uh, it'll be good to hear your perspective then. Um, so clearly a general manager has a huge impact on the team and, uh, you know, his thumbprint is on that team in, in most situations. But how much, you know, at this at this time of year, we've got these big events that we talked about, the draft, the combine, free agency. Um, we've got all those things coming up soon. How much of an impact and how quickly can a guy like Ballard make with Indianapolis. See, that's a tough call because, you know, if you look at the history here, when Grigson and Pagano took over was whenever they were terrible, they cut Peyton Manning, you know, and, and, and they had the first pick in the draft. They lucked into luck. Um, I've said this many times that my sister could have drafted luck. I mean, I don't give him a lot of credit for doing that, but the rest of that class was very good. You know, Allen and Fleener and T.Y. Hilton. And, you know, that was a good class despite, you know, in, in addition to luck. Their drafting since then has been very poor. But the thing I hold over is, you know, Grigson's head that they did really poorly was I mentioned they cut Peyton Manning, but they also moved on from Dwight Freeney and all the, the high priced guys from the Manning successful era and had so much cap space. And got nothing out of it. I mean, all their free agent signings were horrible. And then they drafted really poorly since then. And now you have Andrew Luck and a bunch of problems. Um, so I think this is – you could see why Ballard would be interested in this job. Because you have Luck. You know, you have a premier young quarterback. But this thing won't be rebuilt in a day. I mean, the division they have is helpful. I think the offensive line is better than people think. Maybe we start to see something out of the Moncriefs and Dorsets and Hilton's not going anywhere. But I feel like he has to rebuild the entire defense, starting with edge pass rushers, 
probably a, one more offensive lineman on the right side. And is this a year you draft a running back high? I mean, I don't know you can trust Frank Gore much longer, but maybe it's a third-round pick running back, something along those lines. I've heard some people saying that maybe this is the landing spot for Talvin Cook. I mean, I guess I could see that. Do you, do you take the – does it come from the top and the ownership says, hey, we're going to do with Andrew like we did with Peyton, and we're going to use first-round picks on Edge, Dallas Clark, Marvin, Wayne, um, a die, you know, we're going to give, we're going to make sure luck has elite skill guys and people around him and we'll figure something else out on defense. You know, I mean, so maybe that's what ownership's telling. Well, I, you know, I think the problem for Colts fans, especially, and, and it impacts fantasy players too, is the past few years, you've had three pieces there in leadership that you, you really didn't trust, you know, Pagano and Grigson and, and then the ownership. Well, Gregson's gone, but the other two are still there. So, you know, is are, are things really going to be different, especially when the owner is, you know, trying to call the shots and and he seems a little on the crazy side. Too. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, oh, I, I'm a little biased because Chuck Pagano was our defensive back coach with Todd Bowles when I was with Cleveland, and I like him, and I thought he was a really good coach, and I've always kind of defended him versus Gregson, which was the popular opinion. So I'm kind of inter- I'm glad they kept Gano around. I mean, for, because I'm rooting for him too. But that's a good question. I mean, if the ownership's crazy town, you got a problem. Not to mention, they missed their window. That when you tr- when you have a, a star young quarterback that doesn't eat up cap space, that's the biggest gift in the NFL. Like it won't be this year, but the Cowboys are going to reap that benefit soon with Dak. Seattle reaped that benefit gigantic with Russell Wilson. Indy got nothing out of it. So if if the Colts didn't have luck, is it fair to say they're one of the worst teams in the league? Worst three or four, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Their defense is awful. All right. So this episode, we've been talking a lot about changes. We talked about players changing value from preseason to postseason. We talked about some coaching changes. And we'll we'll continue this, you know, this line of conversation really all offseason because things are going to be changing. We talked about the rookie value that's that's going to be changing throughout the combine, pro days, and, and then finally the draft. Free agency is going to be an exciting time with players changing teams and therefore players changing value. And we'll be covering all those things in the next few weeks. And I don't know if I told you, but I'll be at the combine pretty much for a week too. So I'll get some inside scoop while I'm there for us. Absolutely. We'll, we'll get your your insider knowledge from that. Uh, But that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.